We are in message 18, working through the book of Acts, talking about heroes of the faith as we are going verse by verse. So I want to begin by asking you a question, and here's the question. Is it possible to go through life, no matter what happens in life, and have joy, and actually reflect joy? Is it possible to be that kind of Christian? Maybe you know that type of Christian. I, I, I can't imagine there wouldn't be a Christian who wouldn't want to have and experience ongoing joy and reflect ongoing joy no matter what they might be facing in life. Is it possible to live that way? Well, this morning we're going to look at Paul and Silas. They are our heroes of the faith in Acts chapter 16. And we're going to underscore something that's very, very powerful. It's unforgettable. It's clearly heroic. And whenever this trait that we're going to see today is lived out, immediately you will say, that is a hero. That is a hero of the faith when you see this lived out in others. And the question is, how can we live it out in our own lives. Here's our hero of the faith trait. One of the most heroic things you can be is a joyful witness, even when suffering happens. Wow! A joyful witness, even when suffering happens. So, I'd like you to right now turn to your neighbor and say, God wants you to be a joyful witness. Just do that. It's super easy to say, isn't it? Doesn't it actually feel great to point to someone and say that? But wow, is it ever difficult at times to live? You know, Jesus said this, John 16, in this world you will have trouble. What? <laughs> Thank you for that promise, you know? Uh, we all know that, right? We experience that. And then Jesus said, though, I take heart, I've overcome the world. But the question is not, will we face trouble? We will. The question is, how will we face trouble? And here's an even deeper question. How will the world, our family, our friends, our neighbors, see us face trouble? How are they seeing you face trouble right now? Just, just asking you that question. As they see you face your trouble, do they conclude, wow, you are a hero of the faith. Because look at the joy in your life in the midst of it. Is it possible to be that kind of Christian? Hmm. Acts 14.22 says we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So the question again is not that will you go through hardships? You will. And the Bible says many hardships. Physically, you're going to go through them. Anyone going through any physical hardships here? Emotional hardships? Anyone? Relational hardships? <laughs> Financial hardships? Okay, let's just stop. We need to stop, okay? So this is a total relevant topic. And I include myself in that as well. I mean, we go through our moments, and Jesus said we will, 
But how is the world seeing us go through those? Is it possible for us to go through those with joy? Is it possible? Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7.4. In all our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. Whoa! Would you underline the word troubles and my joy right there? Because troubles and joy are in the same sentence. Wow! That's an incredible verse. Now, happiness is based on happenings, okay? We need to talk about the difference between happiness and joy. You get a raise at work, that's a wonderful, exciting happening, and you're happy because of that, okay? Joy is in spite of circumstances. It's in spite of the happenings that you encounter. Completely different. Joy, as we're going to see, is possible regardless of your circumstances. Hmm. Now, I believe you know someone that exudes and exemplifies this hero of the faith trait, and you admire them for this. You see them, what they are going through in life, and God has allowed you to know someone like this. And you see their joy just kind of wells up like a spring. Where does it come from? It's supernatural. And by the way, joy is supernatural. It's not natural. The world does not know anything about what we're going to talk about. This is only available to Christians in the power of the Holy Spirit, what we're going to talk about today. But I guarantee you that you know a Christian. Maybe you admire them from afar. Maybe you see them up close. And they have this quality of joy that just seems to rise in the midst of great difficulty. And I want you to talk about that person before we jump into our teaching in depth. And here's your discussion question. Who do you know who chooses a joyful attitude even though they are facing much suffering? Would you talk about that person for a moment? Go for it. Okay, so let's get our eyes again on this hero of the faith trait. One of the most heroic things you can be is a joyful witness even when suffering happens. So how can we become that? Is it possible? I want to give you five steps to be a joyful witness even when suffering happens. It all comes from the example of Paul and Silas, our heroes of the faith. Now, as a pastor who's been in ministry 30 plus years, I've met a lot of joyful, supernaturally joyful people who go through many difficult things, and I I so admire them. And I can tell you categorically, all five of these things are common with their lives. At the same time, I've known many Christians who look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. (laughs) The circumstances and the challenges they face are way less than others that have joy, and they just ain't got it. And the reason is, these five traits are not part of their life. It's just not, they've not developed their faith to embrace these five things. You want to have joy, you can have it. But it's going to require you to embrace these five things. Okay, number one. Joyful witnesses, they follow God's spirit wherever he leads. Now you're going, well, how does that bring joy? Just, we'll, 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 we'll point it out. You see, if you follow God's Spirit wherever He leads you, 
you're going to be a joyful witness. You will have joy. If you follow your spirit wherever you want to go, you're going to struggle experiencing joy. You're going to struggle finding joy because you're living your life your way. But you live your life according to God's dictates, according to his leading, you'll have joy. And there's a very specific reason why in a second, which I'll reveal to you. A life that follows God's leading is a life that's full of joy. I want you to notice how Paul lived his life, how he determined, ordered his days. So last Sunday we left Paul and Barnabas. They have a split. Paul and Silas go all one way, and <coughs> Barnabas goes with Mark another, and Paul begins his second missionary journey. We're in Acts chapter 15 and verse 40 to 41. Let's pick it up here. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. This is the beginning of his second missionary journey. I think we might have a map. And you can see, I don't know if we do or not, but Paul is uh, okay, taken off from Syria right here. This is where he's at. And he's going to be going to make his way through this area, which is modern-day Turkey, and uh, he's beginning to follow the Lord uh, according to God's leading. So let's uh, <coughs> pick it up. Actually, in chapter 16, verses 1 through 5, he picks up Timothy, uh, a dear traveling companion. We're not going to talk about that. But let's pick up the drama in verses 6, and uh, let's read through verse 12. And again, this is Paul. He's following the Lord, the Holy Spirit, on a second missionary journey. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. That's Asia Minor, Asia Minor, Turkey. So there were some of these areas, these cities, that this is Asia Minor, Turkey, that he could go into, but, but there was, and Paul wanted to just saturate this whole area with the gospel. But the Holy Spirit said, no, you're gonna go to certain cities, but not others, and the Holy Spirit is leading Paul in a particular direction. Verse 7, when we came to the board of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now that's coming in to Europe. Hmm. Verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision... He says, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to the sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, which is an island in the Aegean Sea on their way to Europe. And the next day, we went on to Neapolis, which is the port city there of Philippi. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. But I, I want you to just notice this. The Holy Spirit is leading Paul and Silas. And he provides these promptings in their hearts and also a vision uh, to get Paul and Silas into Europe and specifically to this city, Philippi. If you're living your life dependent upon the Holy Spirit's leading, you will have joy no matter what happens to you. Why? Even if you face something difficult in your life, you will say, well, there must be a purpose for this difficulty. 
because I was following the Holy Spirit's leading. And I'm here and it's difficult, but God led me here, so there must be a purpose. One of the most difficult things to face in life is suffering, thinking there's not a purpose for it. You will have no joy. But if you're in a situation and there, it's even suffering and it's difficult, and you go, but I've been following you. Holy Spirit, I've been following you. You will find joy even in that moment. This is why Paul could say, in all our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. Because yes, there's trouble here, but Lord, I've been following your spirit and you led me here into this trouble. And therefore, I can have joy. That's the first trait of any Christian who has joy is that they are following God's spirit wherever he leads. Is that you? Are you following God or are you following you? Big difference. The way to joy is to follow God's spirit. Second step, to be a joyful witness, even when suffering happens. Joyful witnesses live for a gospel purpose that transcends all circumstances. Okay. Now, if you have a gospel purpose for your life, you're going to have joy. If you live without a gospel purpose, you are going to struggle big time with joy. So let me just ask you a straight-up question. What is your purpose? Why do you believe you are on this earth? If it is anything less than to share the gospel of Jesus Christ every single day, you're going to struggle with joy. Because your life is about this world. You need something that transcends this world which is the gospel. Otherwise, you're just going to be taken in by this world. Christians live in spite of this world. We have something much greater to live for than this world. It's the gospel. Now, notice the gospel purpose that Paul lived for that transcended all of Paul's circumstances. In other words, the circumstances Paul faced in life were always secondary. They were always, whatever happened to Paul, they were less than the purpose of the gospel in that circumstance. Paul had a greater purpose for which he lived for that transcended all circumstances. The question is, do you have that? Now, Paul and Silas are going to encounter two very difficult circumstances in the verses we're just about to read. One is very positive and exciting. And guess what? This is our life, right? There's days we wake up, we have super exciting, awesome experiences it's easy to have joy in those moments. And then the other circumstance we're going to read about is very difficult. And yet what we're going to see, for many of us, and for me at times, it's hard to have joy in those moments. And yet we see Paul and Silas, they have joy even in this difficult circumstance. Why? And we're going to trace back to, and I'm going to just be preaching on this for a while, is when you have a gospel purpose that transcends your cancer, you can have joy. When you don't have a purpose greater than cancer, that joy is gone because your perspective is, this is all you have to live for. You have something that transcends everything. It's the gospel. Well, let's look at this positive circumstance in verses 13 to 15. So on the Sabbath, Paul says, we went outside the city gate 
<coughs> now this is in Philippi, to the river, where you expected to find a place of prayer. A place of prayer. Now, this is Europe. There's no synagogues here. This is pure pagan area. Gospel's never been taken here yet. It's the first time you got a Christian going into Europe to preach. And uh, so they go to the river for a place of prayer. And we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of these listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia. Some of you have been with me to the city of Thyatira. You remember that. It's in Turkey. And we talked about Lydia. She was a dealer in purple cloth. She was a businesswoman. Purple cloth came from purple dye. Purple cloth was what royalty would wear. So this woman, she was sharp. She was a sharp businesswoman, and she was trading and that sort of thing. And she was a worshiper of God. She believed in God. She didn't know the full gospel. But the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, I mean, she came to Christ. It was a miracle. Then she's baptized in that very river. And she invited us to their home, Paul says. She says, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. What an incredible moment of joy. Here Paul goes to Europe, the Holy Spirit's leading him, and bam, Lydia comes to Christ. One commentator said, the man of the Macedonian vision turned out to be a woman. (laughs) Lydia comes to Jesus. There's joy in this moment. Her house becomes the first house church in all of Europe. Paul is ecstatic. Silas is ecstatic. One commentator says this, Rome did not know it, but the flag of Christianity was unfurled in the empire that day. The reigning quiet Christ was about to win many to himself. The flag was planted in this frontier colony of Rome, which eventually was to make Necessary, the lowering of Rome's flag and changing of world history. And it all started in this moment. Paul didn't realize it then, but Philippi was destined to become one of Paul's most beloved churches that would support him and love him and pray for him. It's a positive, exciting experience and moment for the Apostle Paul and Silas. You can imagine the joy. You've had these kind of moments before. Tracy and I, just uh, a little over a week ago, I received a out of the just phone call from uh, a, a guy I used to play baseball with, his mother. She called me up and said, Mark, it's been years. And I said, yes, it's been years. I have no idea who you are, you know, one of those things. And she goes, I used to watch you play baseball. And I go, oh, awesome. She goes, would you please come and visit my sister? She's, she's near dying. And I just remember you and, and all that. I said, of course, I will come. So we went and visited her, uh, and she was lying down. I asked, I said, is she lucid? Is she able to? Well, she comes in and out. And I walked in the home. There were a lot of people in the home. Tracy was with me, and we turned around the corner, and there she was. She woke right up. She looked at me, and she goes, I know you. And I'm like, wow, you really are high. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what was that all about? I know you. Did God give her? I've seen his grace so rich in these moments when people are just about ready to go into eternity. And I took her by the hand and I said, look at your hair. It's beautiful. You have so much hair. Like she did. Tons of hair. I'm like, look at my hair. I'm losing all my hair. And she started laughing. She goes, I just got my hair cut. 
and it looks this good. And we were just joking, and I said, do you mind if I just read the Bible with you? She said, that would be great. Go right to John 3.16, read that scripture, holding her hand. I said, would you like to invite Jesus to be your Savior and Lord right now? Yeah. You repeat this prayer after me. Joy. She looked at me after she prayed. She goes, thank you, Mark. Closed her eyes. And last Friday, she went into eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll be doing her service next week. Joy. These moments of great joy because of the positive spiritual or financial or family experience we have. Easy to have joy in those moments. Now let's go to the difficult, challenging experience that Paul and Silas have. Verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, they're going back here to the place of prayer by the river, we were met by a, fellow, uh, uh, by a female slave <coughs> who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. So this gal's demon-possessed, and she earned a great deal of money from her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Well, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul, you know, he became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, notice he's saying to the spirit, the demon in her, not her. He said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. She is set free which I see again and again and again and again happening all over the world by the power of the name of Jesus. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, <laughs> were these guys wicked or what? The slave owners of this dear gal. They seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Now this is pure Roman culture. And Paul and Silas are Jews coming in. They brought them before the magistrates. These are Roman judges and said, these men are Jews. Notice, anti-Semitism strong in the first century. And they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us as Roman citizens to accept our practice. And the crowd joined in. It's a mob forming in the attack against Paul and Silas. Notice, there's no trial. The assumption is these guys are Jews. They have no Roman status. And it's Paul and Silas. What happened to Luke? What happened to Timothy? They were Greeks. They were left out of this whole thing. And they ordered these uh, Roman judges, ordered them to be stripped, imagine that, and beaten with rods. Here's a picture of what flogging looked like. It's different than scourging, which was Jewish, 39 lashes. Uh, in flogging, you'd be stripped, and then you would have these uh, rods. Sometimes they were broken, uh, sliced, to just give more punishment. Uh, but they would beat, and there was no minimum or maximum number that you would give. It's just whatever you wanted to unleash your fury on uh, the, the criminal, so to speak. And it says, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. Wow. Imagine that happened to you. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them into the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. 
And then this is what is amazing. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God because of joy. Joy. Think about it. Paul and Silas were unlawfully arrested, unlawfully stripped, beaten with rods. There was no trial. Roman citizens, severely flogged, unlawfully thrown into prison, unlawfully put in the deepest part of the prison, in the dungeon, fastened their feet in the stocks. And there's joy. (laughs) Why? Why? How can that be? Two reasons. Because they were following God's spirit wherever God's spirit leads. And therefore, if we're here, you have a purpose for us experiencing this God. And because they had a gospel purpose that transcended all circumstances. I can hear the Apostle Paul praying to God, okay, Lord, I didn't see this coming, but Lord, my gospel purpose is intact. Nothing's changed by this circumstance. Actually, Lord, you probably have a great gospel purpose for me being here in jail. This is all part of your purpose for my life, Lord. This is why Paul is a hero of the faith. This is why Paul could say, in all our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. Holy Spirit, you led me here. I'm following you here. This has got to be part of your plan. My gospel purpose hasn't changed because it transcends all circumstances. Joyful witnesses live for a gospel purpose that transcends their circumstances. Now, let me make, and let me share with you a couple stories, because I think it's so easy to go, Mark, this is the Apostle Paul, this is Silas, and we put them up here on a pedestal. But little do you realize that, and do I at, at times, God uses little ones like you and me, filled with his spirit, and he wants to use us in our circumstances to have joy to be a witness to the world that Jesus is and he can give you that joy but it takes a mindset of realizing the Holy Spirit led me here and my purpose for sharing the gospel has not changed based on my circumstance and it's in that you have joy so a few months ago and there are so many stories I could share even in this room of people a few months ago, though, I, I went to the hospital to visit Ken and Karen Berry. Ken was in the hospital. And I walk into the room, and there is so much joy in this room. Karen's laughing, and Ken is not doing well physically, but that's not even the issue. The issue is, Mark, you won't believe doctors and nurses are hearing about Jesus and and. They're meeting us out down below and welcoming us. Everyone wanted to be around Ken. Because here is a guy in the midst of his suffering who is showing joy, which is so different, so supernaturally set apart that all the other patients, it's like all the doctors and the nurses just wanted to be around him. Wow. Why was that? Because Ken and Karen, as a couple, go, you know what? We're following you, Lord. Our lives are dedicated to you. And they have a purpose beyond whatever the illness is, a gospel purpose wherever they go they live for that transcends that, that gives them joy. Hmm. 
Let me give you another story. This is a gal named Laura. Hmm. I just think of (laughs) there's just so many of our Chinese brothers and sisters that are suffering so much right now, you guys. I don't even, and and they have so much joy in what they're going through. The stories that I hear, I can, I never can get them all out. Oh, what's happening in Hong Kong right now? Our news media does not show the young people that are ready to lay their lives down for freedom by the thousands, thousands of young people that are barricaded in college campuses that are ready to lay their life down for freedom. And we have celebrities in our nation, I know I'm getting on a, that will not even take a stand for freedom because of money greed, and it just, righteous anger comes up. I'm sorry, we might have to take that out of the tape. <laughs> but, uh, um, so Laura, she's just one of so many, but I've learned so much through her. So just at age 13, she heard the gospel for the first time, surrendered her life to Jesus. At age 17, she's one of the church planners, someone in this room may support and uh, so she got trained, went through training. At age 18, she went to proclaim the gospel on a mountaintop with two other girls. And just hundreds turned to Christ. Then she went to another mountainous area to preach the gospel in China. And police found out about it. They came there and arrested them. And it was rainy, it was a mountain area. They tied their hands behind their back and they drugged them down the hill. And then they brought them to the police uh, <coughs> headquarters and began to just beat them, yelling, screaming at them, who sent you here, belittling them. They, they hung her by her handcuffs over a metal bar where she hung dangling the entire night. They took a rod and they beat her ankle. They broke her ankle. In the morning, uh, they, they put her in a wheelbarrow with a sign around her neck, and they wheelbarrowed her through the city, proclaiming her as evil. And then they brought her to prison. And for uh, 45 days, she was in prison. She led 45 people to Christ. And I asked her, I said, how did you find strength? She said, God's word sustained me. She said, Acts 14, 22 is my verse. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. But then she said to me this, which I'll never forget. She looked at me, she goes, Pastor Mark, but my next imprisonment was the exciting one. And this joy is coming up. I'm like, what? And she goes, yeah, I was teaching a Bible study and the police came in, they raided me, and, and they brought me to prison now for four months. And the guards here, they didn't beat me because before I came, the women in this all-women prison, they would fight so viciously with one another that the guards were scared to even go in the prison. 
But yet when I came in, I started praying for them, loving them, and I would teach them one Bible study, Bible verse a day, and peace came to the entire prison. And then there was this, uh, this tower, and I was given permission to go up on the tower, and I preached to all the prisoners, and 60 came to Christ. And she's just beaming, telling me the story. And then I, I said to her, I, I said, what would you say to someone, Laura, if, if, if someone said, God doesn't love you, look, he sent you to prison. And she said, you know, a judge said that to me, Mark. A judge said, God doesn't love you. Look, he allowed you to get caught. I said, getting caught was what God permitted. If God didn't want you to arrest me, it would have never happened. I said, what is the greatest lesson, Laura, that you have ever learned, that you learned in prison? She said, everything is God's will. When everything is God's will, you have a joy that no one can take from you. Because your circumstances transcends the circumstance and you have a gospel purpose for you being on this planet and that gives you joy regardless of wherever you will go and whatever you will experience. But if you just live for this world, you don't have a gospel purpose, as your circumstances go, so will your joy. Actually, you won't have joy. You'll have happiness based on happenings. Does that make sense? Give you a third step. Joyful witnesses even when suffering happens. Joyful witnesses choose life, choose a life of prayer and worship that feeds their joy. Wow. Now, if, so if you in your life, you know, just the way you order your life, you're, you're spending time in God's word, you're spending time in prayer, that is going to feed your joy. But if you go through life because your circumstances are so difficult, you go, ah, up yours, God, I'm out of here. And you, and you stop praying, you stop worshiping, you stop seeking God, your joy is gone. Joyful witnesses, they're engaged in this prayer and worship. And I want you to just notice how we see a, an amazing pattern with Paul and Silas. Look at verse 13 again. Just on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, we went outside to the city gate, to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. Okay. Then you go to verse 18. Once we were going to the place of prayer. Then you look at verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Wow, this was part of their life. This is how they did life. Is this how you do life? I, I just don't know a joyful Christian that is not engaged in ongoing prayer, in the word, and is worshiping Christ. It just doesn't exist. Because joy is a byproduct of those supernatural feedings. You ever notice with Jesus, just how often it says, as you're studying his life, he got away to a place to pray. A lonely time. If you're married, and I share this with you again, just by God's grace, don't miss the opportunity to pray and read the Bible with your husband or wife. It's the most look-to moment of my life to just have that time. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We find strength in that moment. If you're not married, get that time alone with the Lord. And I have my quiet time as well in addition to the time with Tracy. We need that time. Uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, whatever the circumstance, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God in the peace of God, and also the joy of God that transcends all understanding. It's supernatural. Regard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.
I can tell you there's times, I don't even know how to describe this to you guys. The spiritual battles that, that um, there's times I just feel the battle. You guys pray for me. I'm no different than you. We all feel the spiritual battle. But there are times that I am attacked in ways that I know are flat out demonic. And, and, and I just turn to the word of God and all I can say is this book, it just, it strengthens me. It gives me joy in the midst of the battle. It's supernatural. Joy is not natural. It is the supernatural byproduct of prayer and worship, fasting, in the midst of your suffering. Mm, Okay, let me give you a fourth step to be a joyful witness even when suffering. Joyful witnesses know that a life of prayer and worship also leads to miracles that advance the gospel. So, you see, Christians that have joy, they have this hope that it's just a matter of time before God does a miracle in their midst and relieves them of their suffering or just provides greater joy in the midst of their suffering. So, let me kind of show you how this works. So, you look at this in Paul and Silas, for example, here, and we come to the main point of this whole story, which is the powerful part of it right now, but... Look at verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas, they're praying and singing hymns to God. They don't know what God's going to do, but they're praying. And and all of a sudden, the other prisoners were listening to them. I mean, that that was the first time that prison ever heard someone singing at midnight. (laughs) Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison was shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open. I mean, that's supernatural. And everyone's chains came loose. That's supernatural. The jailer woke up, and when he saw that the prison doors were open, he drew a sword and was about to kill himself. I mean, he's a Roman soldier. He knows the price for any uh, prisoner escaping is death, so take my life. It was the honorable thing to do. He thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Wow. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out, and he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to have the joy you guys have? People will say this at work, in a hospital room. Doctors and nurses will come around. What? They weren't saying that. Maybe those exact words, but they're thinking it. What does this person have that I don't? Joy. What a witness joy is to the world. It sets you apart. It makes you a hero of the faith. People, what is going on? By the way, if you had one minute to answer that question, what must I do to be saved, would you be able to say that to someone? Notice what the answer is. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. If your answer to someone of how to be saved is anything more than believe in Jesus Christ, repent, you are teaching a false gospel. You are putting so much baggage on it. You can go to a little woman who's on her deathbed. You ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Believe in him for your salvation. Repent of your sins. Born again by the Spirit of God. It's childlike faith that enters the kingdom of God. Let's not make it complicated for people. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in the house. They're in this jailer's house now. He brought them there. At that hour of the night, it was past midnight. The jailer took them, washed their wounds, So they were flogged severely. They had enough wounds to be washed. Then immediately he and his household were baptized. Isn't that cool? I love that. 
Let's baptize them, Paul. <laughs> Midnight. Go for it. Water's cold. Good. You persecuted me. I'm going to put you. No, that wasn't it. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he, filled, uh, he was filled with joy because he had become to believe in God, he and his whole household. Wow. Are, you know, are you suffering? Are you going through a difficult moment? Keep praying. Pe- keep seeking the Lord. Keep trusting him for that miracle, that breakthrough. Wow. God's timing is always so awesome. When we realize, hey, I'm following the Holy Spirit. I got a purpose that transcends my circumstance. I'm going to keep praying, keep looking to God. Let's see a miracle take place. And when you have that kind of faith, that kind of joy, God works miracles through that kind of person. But if you're a person that just, well, I'm in this circumstance, God, you're not in it. You, you expect God's going to do a miracle? You're not even seeing that what you're in is of God. There's nothing that happens to our life that does not first come through the hands of a gracious God. You may not understand, it's so difficult, but God has a purpose for it. If you'll look to him, if I will look to him. Mm. Uh, there's a dear pastor that, uh, his, his name's Baoji. And actually, we were just emailing last night. And uh, he, uh, he's, he's in Thailand. And he, he, uh, he shared with me the story that when they just started their ministry into a pure Buddhist area, this, it's so pure, hardcore Buddhist, that uh, he, he was the first, like, Christian voice there. We, we started the first church in Thailand. This church did. Free Crosses planted that. And so when they started this church, when there was no building, 30 of their uh, church members that gathered outside under this, like, bamboo kind of makeshift thing, they were all arrested. All of them were taken to prison. And they're in prison, and I'm like, well, what did you do? And he goes, we would meet, they let us gather, and we would sing hymns of praise every day. They, now, this is, this is great. They sang every day so loud, the neighborhood around the prison, they were like, these people are driving us crazy by their singing. So the people outside the prison walls went in and talked to the warden and said, get rid of those people. They're driving us crazy with their singing. I'm like, Bowser, you guys must have had really bad voices, you know? <laughs> but I'm like, here, the joy of the Lord is what got them out. Joy. Supernatural joy. What will it get us out of? Prison. Are you stuck in a prison? Is that circumstance your prison? Is God wanting you to learn to have joy unto him regardless of your circumstance? And that's the way out. Something to think about. Let me give you a fifth. Joyful witnesses choose forgiveness over revenge for the sake of the gospel. Choosing to forgive is always the way of joy. Choosing to harbor revenge or anger or unforgiving spirit uh, will just lead to a lack of joy in your life. And, and the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you right now because there is not a one of us here in this room who has not been hurt, who has not had unjust things done. And maybe God has brought you here for this very moment. Paul and Silas, they were beat unlawfully. You think about this. But look at their response to everything in verses 35 to 40. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order to release these men. The jailer told Paul, and the magistrates have ordered you, and Silas, you, you, you can be gone. 
Now leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, hey, they beat us publicly without a trial. That's grounds from rem for removal from office. Even though we're Roman citizens, uh-oh, they had no, they thought they, were, they, were, they thought they were Jews. They're Roman citizens. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let us come. Let them come ourselves, themselves and escort us out. Now, notice, forgiveness doesn't mean you can't confront your offender. And Paul's confronting them. I think he's doing this for a couple of reasons. He forgave them, but he's also knowing Christianity is going to continue to come, and he's wanting to prevent any other Christians from being having this done to them. The officer reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. But you see this spirit of forgiveness here, not of resentment, not of anger, not of, I'm going to sue you, I'm going to take your job. And No. I want you to watch a video right now. I don't know if you have heard of this story or seen this video. This is Brant Jean hugging and forgiving the woman convicted of killing his brother. I don't want to say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just, I hope you go to God with all what, all the guilt, all the things, the bad things you may have done in the past. Each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I, see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not gonna say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. 
And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. Jesus, not even sure exactly why, Lord, we're ending here, but your spirit has orchestrated our time, so that's what you wanted to do. And Lord, uh, you're so good, so loving, and Father, we thank you that you care for us, you always want to take us by the hand and lead us. Lord, joy is not natural, it's supernatural. And Father, I think you're speaking to us about not living our life based on happenings only, happiness based on happenings, but you've called us into a supernatural experience with you where we would live in the joy that you offer us in spite of our happenings. And Holy Spirit, Father, I just pray that you would connect that in our hearts and take us to a deeper walk with you than maybe we've ever known and free us up to live in that joy. And Father, some of us just need to embrace a, a vision for a gospel purpose greater than any circumstance. And maybe we've not thought about that, but we need to choose that. Some of us right here may need to forgive because it's a deterrent for us to have joy. How can we have your forgiveness but not forgive others? Lord, so you speak in your tender way, God. Be gentle, and we know you are. But speak and just have your way in our lives that we could live as heroes of the faith with supernatural joy because that's what you offer us. The world doesn't give that, but you do. Take a moment and just talk to the Lord. He hears your prayer.